Hi, my name is Liz, and we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1. If you've got a Bible from up the back, it's on page 908. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, because he has looked with, with favour on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is Holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months, then she returned to her home. Well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name's Ed, and I uh, just want to welcome you to church this morning. I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the two women we will meet in this passage today who will challenge us and teach us. And we thank you for them who are with you now. And we thank you that you are with us now by your word and spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Well, 19th century poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, cool name, once said that music is the universal language of humankind. Music is the universal language of humankind. Regardless of tempo and tune or style, music invokes strong emotions, inspires awe, and transcends culture. Music expresses the heart of people. Uh, A few years back, Public Enemy wrote the song, Fight the Power, and it expressed the heart of black Americans. Way back in the 70s, U2 released the song Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is like an anthem for the heart of people who want peace. Lady Gaga's song Born This Way has been the heart song for Western humanism. And I'm sure you can think of other songs which, which are the heart of our culture. Well, today Luke brings together two women who we've already met in our investigation in Jesus. And as these two women come together, they sing. And their song gives voice to their heart. Their song teaches us about God, Jesus, and ourselves. 
So today, we're going to walk with Mary as she goes to visit Elizabeth. Have a look at verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. From last week, if you were here, uh, we read that Mary had received incredible news from the angel Gabriel. She would give birth to the Son of God. And as you would expect after hearing that news, she needs to debrief. So Luke tells us she hurried 160 kilometres. I don't know how you hurry 160 kilometres on foot. Four days walk from Nazareth to the hill country to visit her aunt, Elizabeth. And so she arrives, Zachariah's very quiet in the corner, and the ladies, they just talk and talk and talk and hug. Nothing unusual there, right? Then in verse 40, the extraordinary breaks in. Elizabeth's baby leaps in the womb. The Greek word there for leap means an unusual leap, an unusual kick. And then Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies in song. See in 42. Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. She declares, Mary, God is at work in your life. He has graciously chosen you to give birth to my Lord, the Messiah. And then Elizabeth says this. Your baby is superior to my baby. And Elizabeth's baby agrees. That's why baby John, filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, we learned that a few weeks ago, leaps and leaps with joy. Because for the first time in his long life, John testifies that Mary's baby is the one he will prepare people to meet. And then I imagine Elizabeth grabs Mary's shoulders and strengthens her faith. Unlike her husband, Mary is a model of faith for she trusted God's messenger. Her fragile faith is not foolish or wishful. And so Elizabeth encourages Mary to keep trusting God. He will fulfill what he has said. As you heard uh, Liz read the passage, you would have noted the strong presence of the Holy Spirit. When you hear the Holy Spirit, we often get trapped into a vague or mystic way of talking about him, like he's the Star Wars force. But actually, look what he actually does clearly here. The Holy Spirit points away from himself to the Son of God. Whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, he is pointing to Jesus. And that's why he uses Elizabeth and John and the Apostle Peter and you and me to help people see Jesus, consider Jesus and trust Jesus. Look what Jesus says about him in John 16. He, the Spirit, will glorify me. That's what the Spirit does. He glorifies the Son. And so as God's people share the gospel, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Well, he's taking people who think they're okay 
And he's convicting us that we're a bigger mess, more sinful than we could ever imagine. And then he appoints us to Jesus, the one born of Mary, who lived a perfect life, died for sinners and rose again. The Spirit says when you've tried your best to fix yourself and it comes to naught, go to Jesus. What's your picture of Mary? A lot of people think of her as this quiet, silent, 14-year-old, this young and meek girl. That's not the Bible. The real Mary is a powerhouse of praise. Her song is called The Magnificat because she magnifies God. As she praises God in song, she praises his power, his holiness and faithfulness. As a young Hebrew girl who has been taught the Bible since birth, Old Testament quotes and memories and parallels like Hannah's song flow out of her mouth. Her song is both personal and national. She reflects on what God has done in her life and the whole world. Do you know that Mary's song is the most popular single ever released? Move over Taylor Swift. Her song has been the central part of praise in the Orthodox Church, in the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. And it has also been banned in South America because of its lyrics. Yet Mary's song has a bigger purpose than fixing injustice. Mary declares that the baby growing in her womb has eternal global implications. And her song has three stanzas. So let's have a look at them together. They're all connected by the theme of salvation. Stanza one, God has broken into history to save. Verse 46, and Mary said, Mary sung, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, because he has looked with favour on the humble condition of his servant. In stanza one, Mary is intensely personal. Note the words, my soul, my spirit, me, me, me. This is Mary's song before it's sung by choirs in pretty churches. She firstly praises her God. You'll notice her God is not vague. It's not, hey God, it's God, you are my saviour. God, you are the mighty one. God, you are utterly blameless. God, you are holy. And this God has done something incredible. For at just the right time, he acted without the involvement of fallen man to enter his creation through Mary. The Holy Spirit fertilized an embryo in Mary. And she now carries God the Son, fully God, fully human. Notice how she recognizes her creatureness. She knows she is a humble peasant Israelite. She's lowly, unexceptional, unremarkable, ordinary in every respect. She is blown away 
that God would use her in his plan. Yet we're not surprised, right? Because that's always what God does in the Old Testament. He chose Israel, the most insignificant pimple on the face of the earth. He chose David, the runt of the family. He chose Elizabeth, an old barren woman. He chooses ordinary missionaries. He chooses faithful SRE teachers. He chooses people like you, sorry, and me, sorry, to progress his plan. Ordinary people God uses. And Mary knows she's blessed. Forever, she will have a place in salvation history. But note the word favour. She knows this is all grace. God alone is to be praised when he uses ordinary people to do his work. The second stanza, Mary zooms out. She goes out from kind of her life to the entire world and talks about what God has done globally. His salvation plan will impact every human on earth. Look at verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. Notice that Mary declares there is only one lead actor. Salvation in the Bible is never a negotiation. It's not humans get better and God gives us a reward. No, no, God scatters, God topples, God satisfies. Mary's lyrics here, they actually come from the Exodus, God's great salvation of his people. And like the Exodus, God's salvation has two sides. The arrival of the Mary child will lead to an out pouring of God's mercy. Now, what is God's mercy? It is his covenant love, which generation after generation of sinners received throughout the Old Testament. And what's the mercy? It is the mercy that forgives the guilty. It is the mercy that gives rebels a second chance. It is the mercy that restores the broken. And what Mary sings is that God's abundant mercy will be poured out on all who fear God, on all who come to God on their knees, acknowledging that he is mighty, that he is in charge, and they desperately need his help. But Mary sings that there's another side to salvation. For God's mighty hand will be against the proud. Those who refuse to acknowledge the truth about God or themselves. We saw that in Pharaoh, didn't we? If you read the Exodus story, we know Pharaoh was too proud to believe there was God. And we'll see it in the Pharisee in Luke 18 who prays, Hey God, Thank you that I'm not like him. Look at all the things that I've done. Actually, we see it in the person who says, I don't need God. And we see it in the person who says, I'm too bad for God. Both of those are pride. Actually, pride comes in many colours. But inside, it is always a heart that wants independence from God. A proud heart believes in their core that they are superior to God. 
And what Mary sings is this. God will scatter the proud just as he always has. The word scatter is like blowing a dandelion. God scattered the people at Babel. God scattered the alpha male Pharaoh and the self-glorifying Nebuchadnezzar. God can turn a banker into a busker in seconds. No creature can thwart their creator. In 52 and 53, these are the banned verses in South America because Mary contrasts the poor and the rich. And they read like a revolutionary song, don't they, where God will fix political injustice and poverty. And we actually know he will, but there's more going on here. Because in Luke's gospel, the poor and the hungry and humble are the ones that get mercy because they humbly trust God, not because they are poor. Likewise, the rich are not punished because of being rich, but because the rich are often the people who stubbornly refuse to fear God. But don't think this is just spiritual, because the way we treat people reflects how we treat God. If we are proud, we will treat God's people poorly. When we are humble, we will care for the vulnerable. Mary doesn't know the future. She has no idea her baby will go to the cross. She doesn't know he will face judgment. But Mary has read the Old Testament. She has listened to Gabriel and she knows God is moving to save people. And now that Jesus is on the playing field in her womb, the future is certain. For those of you who are reading carefully, you'll notice that she uses past tenses all the way through her song. Why? Because once Jesus is on the field, the future is as certain as the past. Those who are humble, who are hungry for God, will be satisfied. And those too proud to surrender to God will have nothing. One of the most well-known pieces of music in the entire world is Vivaldi's Four Seasons. As you close your eyes and you listen to the strings, you are taken from spring to summer, autumn to winter. And the four pieces of the work music, they work together to make the whole. Mary's song here is not a solo piece. Her song is part of the whole of God's salvation album. And that is what stanza three reminds us of. Look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. What Mary's saying here is her baby is not a random event in world history. Her baby, Jesus, is the fulfilment of God's promise to Abraham, where he promised to reverse the curse of sin and establish a new creation through a descendant of Abraham. What Mary sings here is, 
all the Old Testament law, all the prophets, all the temple traditions, all the ups and downs of Israel have been coming to this point in the road. And so Mary's finale is a celebration of God's faithfulness. God is faithful to his promises and loyal to his people. When God speaks, it is as good as done. And so Mary wants everyone who hears her song to trust him. He is more trustworthy than the chair you're sitting on this morning. He is more trustworthy than anyone you look at on YouTube. And he is far more trustworthy than your gut. Sing for joy, all people. God is trustworthy. In 2009, Jill and I got to go to Italy and we went there for a couple of weeks. Now, Italy, if you've never been there, it's full of five things, apart from Italians. Five things. It's full of pizza, pasta, gelato, really crazy drivers and churches. So many churches. Every church is an art gallery. Every church is an art gallery full of paintings and frescoes and statues. And all that art tells the story of how people across the ages have engaged with God. Visit a few churches in Italy and you'll notice a pattern. Mary is the centre of attention. You'll go to these churches and you'll see Mary is exalted. Jesus is still on the cross. Mary is magnified and Jesus is hidden. And I think Mary would be horrified by this. She would help us see two errors. Number one, giving Mary to central a place. As you've read the passage this morning, you'll see Mary's a worshipper. She would never want to be worshipped. In her song, she comes before mighty God as a humble, needy person. Mary knows she's a sinner. She sings, my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Over the next 30 years of her life, she will witness how the one in her womb will make atonement for her sin by hanging on the cross. And where is Jesus 33, sorry, where is Mary 33 years later? She is at the foot of the cross. And she is saying, here is my Lord hanging. He is my saviour. We know Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Mary would want you and me to have our focus on Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit always wants the focus to be Jesus. And actually, do you notice that Jesus agrees? Have a look at this. Luke 11, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. Jesus doesn't go amen to that. What's he say? He said, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Do you know, Jesus says, stop looking at Mary. Listen to who God's word points to. But there's a second error. The second error is giving Mary too low a place. And that's more our temptation, isn't it? We sometimes think Mary is a transport vessel. Don't we? 
No, no, she is uniquely blessed by God. That's what the passage tells us. Actually, the passage tells us that she is a model of faith. And God has used her to teach us this morning. So Mary's asked us two questions. Number one, how do you come to God? Mary's song celebrates how the arrival of Jesus turns everything upside down. The humble, those who come to God on their knees, they receive mercy. Those who come to God proud are scattered. So what Mary's asking us this morning is this. How do you come to God? Do you come to God nose to nose? Two equals. Do you come to God with your arms folded? Hey, God, I'm really not happy about how you're tracking at the moment. Well, Mary teaches us how to approach God. Because the real God cannot be neatly fitted into your busy day. The real God cannot be moulded in your image. He's holy, set apart. And so his people come before him on their knees. On their knees. And when they pray, they don't just give God a shopping list. They don't complain to God about all the things they don't have. They praise his name like Mary. And they come with a deep desire for mercy. The prayer of a Christian is, God, I'm broken, please fix me. I'm lost, please guide me. I'm trapped, please free me. And the humble receive the mercy of God. Mary also teaches us the right way to approach church. Sorry, approach God at church. I'm sure you know this, but going to church is not a good moral act. It's not a spiritual fill-me-up. And it's not a performance we assess. God gathers us every Sunday to remind us who he is and who we are and he gathers us to remind us what he is doing and how we can be part of it I want you to know this church will always be unsatisfying church will be boring if you turn up with a proud heart this morning you are sitting beside a fellow sinner who needs mercy like you The second question she asks is, what's your song about? You know, as Mary sang, she gave voice to her heart. Why did she magnify the Lord? Because at the very centre of Mary's heart, the Lord was in centre stage. And our songs give voice to our hearts. As you listen to Frozen, as you listen to Taylor Swift, as you listen to Elon Musk, as you listen to Jordan Peterson, you hear their song. And they are all singing the gospel of self. The gospel where humans are at the centre. What's your song about? Who is magnified on your lips? as people hear you chat and parent and work and play. Brothers and sisters, we are in a battle for our hearts. And what we put into our heart determines 
what our song is about. The music we listen to, what we watch, the self-help mantras we adopt, the teachers and influences we listen to shape our hearts. Now, the, the, the impact is not immediate. You don't, watch a, you, know, you don't watch Game of Thrones and suddenly you get a dirty heart. That's not how it works. But it's like plaque. It just grows over time and slowly nudges Jesus off the throne of your heart. Modern Christianity is in a season where the spirit's fruit of self-control is ignored like Brussels sprouts. Is it the one you're praying for all the time? Dear God, give me self-control so I can feed my heart with goodness. I guarantee it's probably not, is it? Because in the name of freedom, we watch, we consume the gospel of self like water. And then we enable our kids to do it. We let them on YouTube. We give them access to social media. And they watch Disney. And they are discipled to put themselves on the throne. Those of you who keep a diary or a journal, I wonder if you wanted to write something down today, I wonder what the impact will be of giving phones to young Christians in five years. Unfiltered access to the gospel of self. What will be the impact in five years? Whose voice will they hear the loudest? As your pastor, I know that two hours a week at church for young people won't be enough to drown out the gospel of self. If we want God to be enthroned on our hearts, we need to listen to Mary. We need to come humbly before the God of the universe, drinking deeply of his word more than anything else. We need self-control of what we pour into our hearts, not so that we're conservative. No. We want him to be enthroned. And so we need his help. We need his mercy for our foolishness. We need his spirit, spirit to give us courage because there is nothing more joyful than knowing the Almighty. And we will know he is enthroned on our hearts because our souls will want to magnify the Lord and our spirit will rejoice in God our Saviour, just like our sister Mary.